do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth. Latest on the world of innovation and ideas. A look inside a global world beyond borders and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.isade.edu. Welcome to Azade Doers, podcast about entrepreneurs and innovators. Our guest today is Marie Blaise, co-founder of Le Col Gustave. Hi, Marie. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Davide. Thank you for the invite. I'm glad to be here. Very, very happy to have you here. So uh, to get started, tell us in 30 seconds, uh, what does your company do? Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of um, L'Ecole Gustave. Um, in French, it's a Gustave School. We are um, training plumbers and electricians to... Um, wait, wait. <laughs> sorry, can we do that again? Sure. You can start again if you want. Yeah, so um, I'm Marie. I'm the co-founder of L'Ecole Gustave. Um, in French, it's a Gustave School. Um, Gustave School is a, a school that trains um, plumbers and electricians. So we are training people who are unemployed um, to, on um, jobs that are very um, in the big shortage in France. So basically, all the jobs in the construction industry. Perfect, and that's. Um, that's very interesting, no? Because I think this is not the uh, let's say uh, a typical uh, project somebody would uh, would launch. So um, maybe tell us a little bit where did uh, this idea come from? Yeah. So um, I I did a study. Um, I worked in the tech industry. I worked in startups, very tech oriented startups, and um, I think. All the tech industry is great because it's all about processes and being super efficient and having a very, very, very organized processes to do um, big things in a short amount of time with very limited resources. So I loved all of this area, um, but I missed uh, concrete stuff, like um, seeing what I really do and seeing the impact I generate. So um, I am from my I'm from a family of construction of people who worked in construction. So my dad was um, used to build um, windows. Uh, my granddad used to work in constructions. My um, boyfriend is a plumber. My sister works in the construction area as well. So um, I kind of um, I was always in the construction industry. Um, and I realized that in the construction industry, there is the same um, situation that we used to have in the tech sector. That is, there are way too many jobs and way too little, um, too, too little people available to do those jobs. So what is happening is that right now there is super um, high salaries that are um, in the construction industries and it's very easy for people who work in this industry to find a job so i thought it's amazing that there are so many opportunities in this sector and it's not known people think of the construction industry as something that is 
kind of a, like it's not really sexy to say oh I am a plumber. It's much it's much sexier to say oh I work in the, at Google or I work at a, in a, in a big um in a big um corporation like this. So um, having a, a better uh, reputation and uh, how to train people um in a free way i i wanted to do a free school and to train them so they could be the best uh at their job when they when they enter companies so i thought about this idea and um, i looked at different schools that were already existing in the industry and essentially in the tech industry so we have many schools that train the developers that trains business developers growth hacker and all of these kind of new jobs. And I thought, how can we duplicate this to make, to uh, to do it in the construction industry? And um, that's what I thought. And then I met my uh, my co-founders that already had already done that in the, in the tech industry. And we just simply replicated what they did in the tech industry, in the construction industry. It's amazing, no? And I think as well, you're giving us a lot of, uh, let's say, food for thought as well in terms of a little bit uh, counterintuitive things, no? As you were mentioning this, um, let's say, unsexy, uh, in a way, jobs that are, uh, in a way, there is probably more demand and higher salaries than uh, potentially other jobs, but uh, maybe it's not um, either the track to get there or the uh, kind of the opportunity is not so clear to other people. And so uh, kind of bringing no helping people getting there uh, it's uh, it's super interesting as well as you were mentioning there are so there is this and there's been for years now this trend of um no kind of uh free education models for for let's say developers or or, or marketing people etc with this kind of uh, boot camp style or let's say short uh, intensive courses but uh, not really in a, um, in a more practical solid area so i think it's great that you could as well join what you got from your family to another yeah. kind of expertise in an area to, to something more concrete. Um, yeah, and I think it's really important. I'm just following up on this. Is I think it's super important because uh, sometimes we try to to connect dots backwards, and I think um, Steve Jobs used to say that like, don't try to connect it backwards. Just like keep moving, and at some point you're gonna find ways to to connect this, connect it uh, forwards. And I think it's. For me, it's really what happened because I was so I so wanted to create a company and I wanted to have a big impact and all of this. And I think really like just staying uh, curious and staying uh, aware of everything that was happening and not trying to do the same thing as everyone does um, really helped me to to just like uh, coordinate, like bring uh, best of both worlds. And um, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, no, it's amazing how. You're actually you no. Know, if we can say you're you're very young and you've been doing a lot of things uh, in the last years. So maybe do you want to um, explain a little bit better your uh, your path? You no, know, in a way, what, what you mentioned before, you've been working more in tech startups. So what if what has been your um, your track to get until where you are now? Yeah. So I started um, in the. I I used to first I studied in in Australia. I did a finance. I did a, um, a degree in finance. Then I came to a study and I did the Master of Entrepreneurship. Um, then that's where I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur. One of my friends that I met, Francisca, if you listen to this podcast, this podcast, um, I've, I met her at the study and she told me you should so do the entrepreneurship track. That's what I did. And it was really amazing for me because I met so many 
um, young talents and uh, people who just wanted to, to change the world in a way. So that was really inspiring for me. Then I, um, because there was so many Germans in my class, <laughs> I went to Berlin after that and I did my, um, I, I worked in a startup uh, where I worked again with super young people who were like, so eager to succeed and i thought oh if they can do it and if if they think they can do it so can i so i came back to france and i launched the first company um that was helping um french students to to find um, in, in, um universities universities abroad to study and um, i did that for three years and uh, it was a profitable business and I, I had um, around 10, salary, 10 employees. Uh, it was a great experience because I was 23 when I launched it and I, I learned a lot, uh, but it was more an agency um, instead of a, not really a startup, which was- but Not really scalable, no? Not scalable at all. And um, it was fine in a way, but the, the market was just too small in France. And I think that's super important to remember that when you have a super small, a small addressable market, like at some point, if you want to do a small business, that's great. But if you want to scale, you're just going to spend way too much money and it's just impossible to, to scale. So you have to realize this kind of soon. And for me, I realize it a bit, if I can say late, because it's it's not late because you always learn, but you I think your health, like when you do a startup and you just give yourself 200% and you make so many sacrifices uh, for your personal life, your everything <clears throat> i think sometimes when you need to realize that it's not going to be the business it's not going to work so well you it's better to realize it a bit earlier than, than i did so for me that was fine i realized it after three years and i said okay it's a profitable business but it's not going to be the business of my life so i decided to stop it um and then i one I, I got hired by a, um, an investor that wanted to launch a startup so he hired me and he put me CEO of a, of a, a tech startup that was good I had a, I had a great experience um, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't really what I wanted to do I had a nice salary I had super nice working conditions I had uh, great responsibilities but I wasn't doing something I truly believed in. Yeah. So I decided to stop that and uh, to launch this startup, to launch Ecole Gustave. And Ecole Gustave, I thought about this for many, many months. Um, and um, I, I really thought about it when I met my boyfriend. And for many months, we were talking about it. And, and um, it was a bit complicated because I didn't know much about the construction industry at first. I learned a lot. I was from this sector, but I never worked in it. So I had to learn everything. Uh, but then I, I knew I didn't want to launch it on my own because I had launched a startup by myself. And it's just so hard to, to be a solo founder. Um, it's a great experience. It's just amazing, but it's so hard to last. Uh, so, so I decided I didn't, I didn't want to launch it my, myself and I contacted um, a couple of guys who had launched uh, schools, like this kind of schools, the bootcamp kind, so one we, had, we are doing, I contacted many of them and I tried to see if there was uh, synergies, there were synergies and many of them were actually interested in launching it with me, but 
um, I didn't find the fit and I found it with the, the guys I um, I partner with. So that's also, why I do choose them, yeah. Yes, now also very relevant topic as well. Now this is um, kind of this um, finding right co-founders versus uh, being a solo founder. Uh, you've had both experiences in a way, so kind of you, you knew already it's like it's doable. You can, uh, you need it for yourself. You could make it as a solo founder, but as well, you kind of say, hey, uh, I, I'd rather do it with somebody else, no? Um, and this is something that oftentimes comes up when I talk to entrepreneurs. So uh, what's your take on this? Why do you, after the first experience, thought, okay, now I really need somebody to, uh, to start the next uh, venture with? Yeah, um, so um, I think when you are a solo founder, it's great uh, because you can do everything at your own pace. You don't need to, nobody's going to tell you no. <laughs> but um, sorry, so you can hear a baby in the background because I've also had a baby two months ago. So <laughs> today he's with me. I think he really wanted to be on the podcast. Yes, and this is not as well the, the founder spirit kind of. You're here. <laughs> But as well, very, very motivated and, and keep running the company uh, with yeah. your baby. Excuse <laughs> me. So, yeah, so being a solo founder is great, but I think you can go really fast. You can start everything super fast because you don't have to get people on board. So it's it's super quick. But the downside is that for me, if you run a sprint, like if, if you just sprint, it's okay. But if you want to run a marathon and we know that founding a company is a marathon, it's, it's just so hard Um when you're a solo founder and uh, also so that's the first thing but the second thing that I realized when I worked uh, in the company I worked in before I launched this company I worked with a guy who was 45 he was my boss and um, I didn't like having a boss to be honest but what I loved is that I learned so much with him because every time I would go I would make a mistake or just do something not right. He would tell me and he would say, no, or, you know, you should do things like this or you were not good enough in this uh, presentation and always giving me feedback. So you were saying that you had both the experience as being a solo founder and as well, um, no, now you, you wanted for, for your second uh, or for your next venture to, to have a, a co-founder and this is something that oftentimes comes out as a conversation with entrepreneurs. So while you proved yourself, you could be successful as a solo founder. What were your motivations to say, no, and now I want a co-founder for my next venture? Yeah, so it's pretty funny because actually when I when I launched my first company, I wanted to find a co-founder, but I just never found it. So, so I remember uh, just being just so stressful for me because I, I saw everyone like... I was listening to podcasts and everything and people were saying you have to find a co-founder otherwise it's super hard to succeed so I was like oh I want to be successful so I need to find a co-founder but never found one uh, so I I launched it by myself and it was great when you when we, when you launch something on your own you can go super fast because you have no one to convince just yourself um and you can just go and uh, and be super fast but it's really hard to last in the in the long run so um i i realized during my first company that it was exhausting just personally and uh, and everything was just exhausting and emotionally then no as well not only just on the the kind of yeah 
things you have to do, but as well to kind of keep the burden on on one person of the whole company. Exactly. It's it's so hard to to emotionally. It's really hard, especially when you're young um, and you have a small team. It's it's really difficult. Uh, So then when I worked um, in my in the company afterwards, after after the first one I launched and before I launched Vistab, I worked with a guy who was my boss, actually, uh, who was 45, much older than me, already already successful, had already sold the company for 100 million euros. So already super, um, super successful. I worked with him and uh, although I, I didn't like having a boss, I loved having feedbacks. feedbacks. Um, every time I would go to a meeting with him, he would tell me what I did right, what I did wrong. Uh, he would give me advices. He would um, tell me about how I could be more organized, how I could, how I could just be better at my job. And I just loved that because for three years before, I was on my own, never knowing when I did something wrong, only knowing it when I was actually pretty much <laughs> in really deep, deep shit. So <laughs> right now you you, you kind was... of try, but you don't have immediate feedback. You only have the feedback exactly. from, from the customers or from the market, but not directly from somebody else. Exactly. So then when I launched, the, when I wanted to launch this company, the new one uh, called Vistav, I knew I wanted to launch it with co-founders. So I really looked for co-founders and um, I contacted different uh, kind of different guys who had already launched schools. And uh, m- many of them were actually uh, interested in launching a construction school with me. Um, I, I chose the one I chose because I liked their mission. And uh, I thought they were super smart. Um, and I really liked working with them because it's great to have um, daily feedbacks. And two, um, when you have an idea, sometimes it's, it's one thing to have an idea, but to put it in execution, it's so hard. So to have people with you who explain you and who just back you up to to operate your mission it's pretty amazing absolutely and this is as well something that i hear uh, many times now from especially from, from younger uh, founders that you know having uh, on, on one side uh, having co-founders to share kind of the, the emotional difficulties but as well having, having feedback and having advice um that's very helpful so good yeah and I think you did already. You no, know, uh, talking about the the uh, the Ecole Gustave. I think you did already a few a uh, few batches of uh, of students. So how is that yeah. going? Yeah, we are already a hundred. Uh, so we launched nine months ago, and we had three batches launched. Uh, approximately a hundred students. So we are really happy with this. It's uh, it's it's super hard. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's. Uh, I'm not gonna make it all the. Pinky perfect. So it's so difficult to launch a school, especially in the construction sector, because it's so resource in- intensive. So it's it's a big um, big investment. Uh, you have to buy a lot of machines, a lot of um, <clears throat> different uh, kind of uh, um, uh, things to 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 like gas, uh, iron, and different kind of um, material to to train uh, the people because it's it's not a, you know it's not a, a school like Alberton school where you have just computers and people work on their computers no right you need uh, actual hardware and material exactly. to, to train people 
and hardware is super expensive, especially with like the situation right now. It was um, situation with Russia is going to be even more expensive because we were going to have um, resource shortage, so it's going to be really hard. But it's okay. Uh, it's a, it's a big uh, challenge. Yeah. Absolutely, but happy to hear not as well as we can hear now, as you were mentioning before in the background, you had a baby as well in the meantime. So that's even probably yeah. <laughs> double the effort and, and big congrats on that. Um, maybe one uh, one last question about the the entrepreneurial, let's say, a journey, and then uh, let's we move forward. But uh, so you've been working on education uh, mostly, you know, in your uh, entrepreneurial career, though from different point of view. Um, is that something that always motivated you to, to do something in the education space or was it a, a little bit more uh, kind of uh, random as opportunities came by? No, I think um, I always wanted to work in the education sector because um, personally, I didn't like being in school. I didn't like uh I didn't feel really well in school um, because I didn't feel like I fitted in uh, and growing up and living abroad I realized that I wasn't the only one that many people didn't really fit in and I think um, the education system doesn't work so well for for everyone I think it works for a majority maybe of people but not everyone because it's pretty standardized and um, so I always dreamed of creating something alternative. Um, and uh, I think when I launched my first company, I had the dream to um, allow everyone, anyone to, to live abroad, to study abroad, because I thought that for me, that was really game changer. It was really open-minded and um, it gave me like trust um trust um and uh, and curiosity and i mean so rich and so i wanted to make it available to anyone but i knew that was super, it's super hard when you don't have your parents that have uh, the money to make you go abroad it's difficult so that was my mission with the first company and then um with the second company the mission is to say in France, when you um, when you are kind of when you are smart, when you have good grades, people at school are gonna tell you you have to ha do big studies. You have to maybe try to be a lawyer or try to to work in business or try to be a teacher or something like this. But but when you are when you have good grades, but you just want to do something with your hands, you just want to be a plumber, or you want to be an electrician, or you want to create your, your, your own business in this, then it's, it's kind of, it's, you don't really have the opportunity to do that in school. So um, that's why I wanted to do, to create good stuff for that. To say, it's not, going into construction is not a fatality. It's not that you have to go into construction because you don't have a choice. You can choose to do that and, uh, and you, can, you can actually earn a lot of money, have a great business, create jobs, which is so rewarding to create jobs. So yeah, absolutely. I think this is this is amazing. No, it's it's wonderful that you're basically saying, hey, <clears throat> doesn't have to be a one size fit all, but rather you can choose your own path, and there's not, uh, you know, uh, 
a job that's let's say uh, per se better than another but depending on what somebody likes you no know, it shouldn't be just uh, based on grades and this is something that i hear a lot from entrepreneurs in the edtech space uh, many you were mentioning now you were not so happy in school and this is mostly the motivation i hear from many people that are now trying mm-hmm. to, to to change things uh, change the status quo in how education is done so i think it's uh, great that you could find uh, an outlet yeah maybe one very final question on this is have you always wanted to become an entrepreneur or was it something that as well kind of came uh, during your studies or out of opportunity later on Mm, I think both. Uh, I I was born in a family of entrepreneurs. Um, my parents, my grandparents, my sisters are all entrepreneurs. So I think it really it's it's something that it's it's so valuable because it shows you that it's possible. And I think um, when I compare myself with other people who want to be entrepreneurs but who don't have anyone entrepreneurs in their family or in their in people surrounding them it's it's harder because it's all about knowing it's possible so yeah for me that was one thing and then um coming to a study i have to say that um coming to a study uh made me realize that you can do a lot with uh, very little resources and so i remember um working on many projects uh, during my masters and i loved it because everything seemed possible and and we thought we could we could um solve so many problems with so little resources uh, so yeah that's that's what something that really happened okay so on one side having the inspiration uh no from the family but as well kind of realizing that it is possible and that maybe it's possible to start with with, with little no and then and, and kind of growing out of that yeah um, and also because i think right now it's much easier as well because you have you have so many resources in terms of the podcasts and books and the, and the TV shows that shows you success stories. And it's so important to, to, to hear that, to give you trust. Also, when time is hard as an entrepreneur, because time is often hard, you have to have kind of something that keeps you going. That's amazing, no? and you you are showing, uh, I think, as well, a lot of uh, now grit and uh, and persistence in in building the company. So, um, thank you for the story about um, kind of your career. Now, let's move to the second part of the podcast, and uh, let's get to know a little bit uh, more of you um, as an entrepreneur. Something already came out during the first part, so this <laughs> should be a natural transition. I always like to start by asking entrepreneurs. Um, what book they're reading or in general, where they get their content. Uh, is it if it's books or, or podcasts, et cetera. But if there is something in particular, uh, if you have any time uh, to, to, to read anything, what would that be? Yeah, so um, I used to listen to a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts. Podcast. We have a, a great one in France that's called um, Generation Do It Yourself. And uh, it's, it's, really, it's really good because you hear success stories from entrepreneurs who made it big. Um, I love that because uh, I love knowing where they come from. Um, but what I don't really like in this is that uh, they show you success stories and the guy who talks is already successful. So I think you don't really have the zero to one or the one to hundred. You, you, um, you don't have the small elements that are so important because 
let's be honest, before we get to the super, super um, successful part, you have so many steps to take and to, to win. So um, I think in most of the podcast that's a bit something that I miss um, is a small part that uh, makes a successful company so I but I really like it because I think it's super inspirational right now I, I don't listen to it much because uh, I'm too focused on the day-to-day -day operations um, what I try to read a lot is uh, about uh, processes and I try to to more to take feedbacks from um, right now I don't really read a lot of books or listen to a lot of podcasts but i do more meetings um, i meet with entrepreneurs uh, with um, hrs with different kind of teams to know about the process they implement in their companies and to see how i can implement it in my company um, because that's what i find kind of difficult sometimes when you when you come when you meet an issue and you don't really know how to to overcome it i find it super super interesting to talk to other founders and see or to other teams and see how they overcame it also um in terms of what tools to use you know like which crm to use which um like what to implement to to be more efficient in a way and to be more and to be more scalable because it's all about scalability and even if you run my company is kind of it's more traditional than uh than usual for, for I'm sure for this podcast but even if it's more traditional I think we can benefit a lot from all the processes we implement in startups like um, yeah, all the kind of CRM and tools to like Airtable and Calendly everything to automate a lot of different tasks to do big things uh, with very um, with a super small team. Right, no, and in a way, amplify your impact as well. So that you exactly, can... yeah, of course, because we have super, uh, we we get funded. I didn't say it, but we get funded from the government. So we are free school because we we are funded uh, to train people and to um, get them out of the unemployment. So we get very limited funded fundings, as you can imagine, because it's public. Um, but it's okay because. We, we are super organized to to use very limited resources to impact on to train a lot of people yeah, no, and you were saying already more than a hundred uh, people trained and uh, it keeps going yeah exactly so this year we trained um a hundred people and um we we are aiming at uh, uh, training 200 more this year wow that's fantastic um so moving forward in terms of, now you say it as well, you get your content by talking to a lot of people uh, nowadays more than kind of uh, reading or other sources. So I think this is a perfect segue for the next question, which would be, um, what is a startup uh, that you think it's very interesting right now, of course, beyond yours? Yeah, so um, because I'm super oriented, I, I love uh, the education sector and I'm pretty focused in it right now. So um, I look at other schools like Alberton School, which I think is a great model, um, not really for the French market, but more um, for the American market where um, studies are super expensive. Uh, I think there is a big, I mean, it's a big debate uh, in the education sector. Uh, I 
I am for free education, but free education uh, means there is no magic. Like, how do you do to do to provide free education? Um, so I think when education is public, the problem with public education is that it's not really agile. So it's yeah. super, it's, it's kind of traditional and doesn't evolve with our time. And we know it, everything just moves so fast. So the education sector can, the public education sector cannot move as fast as, uh, as the world does. So I think um, it can only be done with the private education that works as a company. Um, but the problem with private education is that it's private, so you have to pay. So how, what do we put uh, in motion to make it accessible, which I think is essential to have uh, accessible education because it's just, it should just be free. Like in France, we have free education and we take it for granted, but I know that in so many countries, it's not, it's not the case. So yeah, right now, I, I, that's why I like the model of Alberto School because it's, uh, it's in the United States and uh, it's, it provides free education uh, still. Yeah, and I mean, in a way, no, as you were mentioning, education is, so somebody is always paying for it, no? So in one case, exactly. it's the government, but uh, so, so, so teachers uh, are paid, uh, in many cases, maybe not enough, but uh, no, um, somebody is always paying. So as you were mentioning, the challenge is really to understand how to make it accessible to people that yeah. uh, cannot afford it themselves and keeping the quality high. So being agile and adapting to trends, that's a very big challenge, but I think as well you are you're moving into so you're one piece of the puzzle now you're trying to uh, to help uh, find a solution to that i hope so <laughs> do you think as well so if somebody wanted to start a company nowadays uh, what would be a trend that uh, people should look into mm, i thought about this question and um, to be honest i i don't know um i don't know because i think it depends on on them, uh, it depends on what motivates them, on what motivates them so much that they are willing to sacrifice um, a lot of their time uh, and willing to to spend all of the time for a couple of years. Um, and um, I say that because I I think I mean I put so much uh, into my company, so much time, so much resources, but I don't feel like I sacrifice anything because I love what I do, and I wake up every day thinking having new ideas, and that's what keeps me going. So I couldn't say to someone, "Oh, you should do look into crypto, cryptocurrency." Or <laughs> I have no idea because if you love cryptocurrency or if you think this is going to keep you going, and um, yeah, you should go into that. But I think yeah, it really depends on people. Yeah, no, so passion over trends in a way, no? It's most important yeah, passion to be passionate. Even if there's a bit, bit of a debate, like uh, don't follow your passion. It's not really, it's not really passion, but follow what, what you think can, uh, what, what you think you're going to like enough to put enough, to put a lot of work in it. If it's yeah, just money, then great. Find something that is a money, like a cash machine, and work a lot in it. Right. In some cases, no. It's also to to be kind of honest with oneself. Some people just want the money, and so then you can exactly. optimize for whatever gives you more money. Mm. And while if you want to do something else, then try to find. But it's a long journey, as you mentioned. No? So the core thing is to be prepared to 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 stay exactly. there for a long time. 
Okay. Um, we're, we're coming to a closing, but a couple more things I want to know from you is, as a manager, as a founder, uh, is there an advice you oftentimes give, but you don't follow yourself? Well, there are many. Um, there, <laughs> there are many. Uh, I think uh, one that I give a lot and uh, I try to, to follow myself is um, to have a balanced life. And uh, I think this is really, for me, the story of my life. I try to do that as much as I can because I want to have the best of both worlds. I want to be a successful entrepreneur and I so want to be the best mom ever. <laughs> that was my dream. And this was my dream to be, to be a successful entrepreneur as well. But let's be honest, it's super hard to do both. Um, so I think, um, I think, be okay, if I had one advice to give is be present in the moment when you're at work, just give your best at work and don't think about anything else. Don't have regrets of, uh, uh, don't have, like, don't think, don't feel guilty about not being at home. And when you're at home, don't feel guilty about, about not being at work. So this is not going to, um, it's not gonna, not gonna make sense to everyone listening to this podcast, but really, I I, I do think uh, being a successful entrepreneur is uh, for me it doesn't make any sense if I don't have a happy family and if I I'm not happy in my personal life. And this I didn't understand it when I had my first company. Uh, I was kind of extreme, and right now I'm 28. I think I'm becoming more mature at least I try to be and uh, so yeah I think it's for me it's really important to try to have a balanced life it's actually a recurring theme with entrepreneurs so yeah. keeping the balance keeping the equilibrium focusing on mental uh, health and kind of uh, mental balance mm. uh, it's coming more and more often so uh, I'm, I'm happy to, that they keep hearing this and you know, kind of uh, I feel there is an overall kind of trend uh, also during these interviews with entrepreneurs kind of shifting a little bit away from this uh, pure productivity kind of mentality to a more balanced life, which is a struggle, I understand, but at least yeah. trying to get there. And I think it's also a way to build a team and to build um, a team that's going to last because our, our companies are really hard to run on the daily, uh, like the daily operations that are hard because we are dealing with humans as well and uh, and it's it's complicated but telling also your team you should take time for yourself and you know it's it's great that you work so hard and uh, thank you for doing that but if you want if we want it to last so so you should also take some time for you and take time to go for a walk or just do a run or just take time with your family it's super important Yes, definitely no, and it's um, yeah, it's companies are made of humans, and humans needs to take care of themselves. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, very last question. Yeah. What has been your biggest mistake? Mm, I think um, my biggest mistake was to think I could do everything on my own. So um, when when starting a company, I, as I said, it's easier to do everything on your own because you go faster, at least at, in the beginning. But then um, you don't last in the long run. 
So yeah, when I had my first company, I was trying to do everything on my own, not uh, delegating um, and not spend, not thinking, uh, not authorizing myself to waste time training others, which is not a waste, but in the short run, it seems like a waste because you go slower. So really take time to train your team and delegate as much as you can, spend time with them, give them feedback and uh, training, training, training your team as much as you can. It's so important. So that was my biggest mistake for my first company. Okay, good. And then uh, hopefully now you you, you learn uh, from that and it's uh, not... Uh, exactly. That's the most important thing. Very good. Marie, thank you very, very much for uh, for your time, for uh, taking the time even when no, um, you are uh, kind of... Uh, now at home uh, with your baby and uh, taking the time to anyway uh, join the podcast share your uh, experience and your trajectory i think it's amazing what you're doing um you were mentioned you know you're 28 this is your second company trying to uh, change education uh, for the best and helping people getting uh, better jobs and highly paid jobs so um thank you very very much all the best moving forward and uh goodbye thank you david thank you for having me goodbye If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do Better.